general nerdery. I'm going to try to not reference uh, Steven Universe in like every other sentence for this episode <laughs> because Rebecca Sugar, who worked on both of them, is just bleeding through at the point that we're in in Adventure Time. But I don't promise that it will be less than like every paragraph or two. See, it's going to be easier for me because I have you lot- have no idea. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I, I must control myself. Tyler has not watched this. <laughs> Welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And with us is the LTC, the lieutenant commander themselves, my son, Eustacia. Hello. Yay, Yui's back. Yui being, of Yay. course, and really loud in my headphones. That's on me. Um, uh, Yui, of course, being the very first guest we ever had on accident way back when in episode like three or four. It, it was our first Mando episode. So like longtime friend of the show. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Yui. Well, thank you for having me again, since I pestered you so much about this idea. They have been talking about us doing this Adventure Time series, I think, since that very first episode. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, well, um, we're there. <laughs> it's time. We're there for the... <laughs> now we're here. We're buckling in for two months of Adventure Time. But <laughs> before that, what have we been ingesting? Adventure Time? Okay, yeah, I was going to say, you went really (laughs) wide-eyed there. Uh. No, I mean, that's been mostly it, because as, like, this is completely new to me, so there's a lot to go through. We watched three seasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, like, I don't know, like, I was telling you right before we started the show, I think I'm probably somewhere in the range of, like, 30 minutes to an hour from the end of the, the Halo Infinite campaign. So, that's fun. And so then, like a main boss fight away from like the end credits. Yeah, something like that. It, that's what it seems like from like where the story's going. I haven't played it before, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a lot of guessing right now. But I don't think there's much else that could happen besides like a boss fight. So maybe two boss fights, I guess. That's about it. Um, and then one of the other things I'm ing- I've been ingesting, I'm actually going to hold off to be a recommendation. That's the yeah, end, the classic, so. classic move. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What about myself? I accident I quote unquote accidentally uh, read almost all of the modern Archie superhero comic book releases of the last like 10 to 15 years mm. um, which admittedly is only like 15 issues of comic books it they superheroes is not their forte but I had picked up one of their books that I've been meaning to read for a while which led to picking up another one of their books that I've been meaning to read for a while which led to me digging through my comic collection and finding the other ones I already had. Honestly, the Fox Freak Magnet by Mark Wade and Dean Haspiel is the only one I would like really recommend. The others mm-hmm. was like, these are fine. But that one, I think I've put on our recommendations before. That is one of the best oddball comics I've read in a long time. And then I started, and I'm only like five pages into this, so it only sort of counts. But uh, the the United States of Captain America, which is a recent Captain America miniseries that came out okay. that used... Everyone who has ever wielded the shield, so U.S. Agent, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Steve Rogers, mm-hmm. as they travel across America because the steel, the shield has been stolen and they ha- or they're trying to get it back. And they keep running into people who have been inspired by Captain America to kind of become like their own local version of the character. Oh, OK. And it pissed off all the right people because one of them was gay. One of them was a Native American, and I'm pretty sure one is trans. Mm. And the amount of, like, 
pearl clutching about like, oh my god, they're making Captain America gay, or they're making Captain America a woman, or trans, or any of this. And it's like, God, just literally, it's a one <laughs> paragraph description. And also, who cares? Better than they're making Captain America U.S. agent again. Yeah. Because U.S. agent is this far, I say on an audio medium, from being a fascist. Yeah. This is this whole shtick. That's fun. But it's by a writer who I just recently discovered, Chris Cantwell, who is just doing amazing work. And Dale Eagle Shum is the artist who is one of... I won't automatically buy a book if I see Dale Eagle Shum drew it. Mm-hmm. But I will flip through to see if it's like something I'm going to buy because it significantly increases my chances. What about you? You eat any good other than three seasons of Adventure Time? Um, well, besides what we'll be talking about today, uh, recently I've mostly just been watching through Bob's Burgers. We're on season like 11. How many seasons uh, so of almost Burgers caught up are to there? Almost 12 now. Jesus. They just announced the movie not too long ago, and that, like, looks super fun. Um, but it still has that problem of, like, when a popular cartoon series goes from, like, being a long-running series to having their very first movie and just that up in quality of animation <laughs> and how it looks different from the show. Mm. But it's just the trailer. I'm excited to see what it is. I'll still watch Linda be insane and Bob just like, hmm, okay. And other than that, I've been playing through Spirit Fair and Pokemon Diamond, I think is what we have. I don't remember if it's Diamond or Pearl, but I've been playing through that, and that's about it. The There's a new Pokemon game, Legends of Arceus or whatever it's called, coming yeah. out in like... Mm-hmm. A week, week and a half. Is it that close already? Yeah, uh, the 29th, I believe. Holy yeah, God. I know. We were all caught by surprise. But I had to talk to my <laughs> wife yesterday when she realized it was coming out this soon. And I was like, okay, this was going to be a secret, but I'm really scared you're going to buy it automatically. This is your Valentine's Day present. <laughs> Do not buy a copy. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Pokemon because I remember the other thing I did. And I finally hit level 40 in Pokemon Go. Jesus I mean, I'm working on I that. haven't I'm, even done that yet. I'm at 39 still, so. Uh, the community day yesterday uh, put me over the top because oh. it was three times catch XP on Sveal, who is stupid easy to get excellence on. I wish I had realized that. Dang I would have put it. a lot more time because I went, Sveal? This is the most useless community day of all time. What's next? Diglett? Which is way worse than <laughs> Sveal. But uh, three times, yeah, that's... Hmm. Yeah, so I, you know, I popped a couple lucky eggs and went to town. I think I ended up getting about seven hundred thousand XP yesterday alone. Oh my lord! Do that with a new account, and you'd gain like ten levels. Yeah, yeah, I, I hit somewhere close to forty excellent throws because it's stupid easy to get an excellent on Sveal. Big circle. Yeah. Well, <laughs> bigger circle than others, mm. and and easy to gauge because. It as well is a circle. Oh yeah. So you're just like, oh, it. <laughs> I need it to looks hit like this. Spot. Yeah. Um. Yay. Yeah. Pokemon. Good. Sorry that that <laughs> it, as soon as you said Pokemon, I was like, oh yeah, I was really excited yesterday for like a brief <laughs> moment. I used to laugh that they gave you a bunch of lucky eggs when you hit level forty, but they finally upped it to level fifty last year, and I'm like, oh, that actually makes sense again. <laughs> um. 
Oh, and I thought of one other thing, yeah. and it's kind of appropriate to bring up, partially because we don't have any news anyway, and because Yui was on for the first time we talked about Mando, like, Book of Boba Fett, been watching that. What do you guys think? Have you guys been ca- keeping Yui, caught up? Yui, have you watched any of this yet? I still have not seen any of Boba <sighs> Fett yet, because I'm just so bad about watching new things these days. Oh, no, I super... Super understand that. Um, yeah, I watched, we've watched the first three episodes. It's the pretty, like, we get home on the day it comes out, and mm-hmm. all three of us in the house kind of just sit down and be like, it's time. I mean, it's <laughs> not as exciting as Mando, no. I think, so far. I don't, but overall, I don't think no it's. Grogu. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Overall, well, there is a Rancor, but we'll, eh. Um, okay. What do you think they're going to name Rancor? I don't know. I don't care. I just know Boba Fett's going to ride it at one point. Like, there's, the Rancor? there's no way he won't ride it. Um, Django is going to be my guess, honestly. But I don't think overall it's as good as Mando. I mean, Mando hit the ground running. I do think episode... Two? Two? The one with the... The one that's super fleshed out, the Tusken Raiders? Yes. Is one of the best, like, single things Star Wars has ever done. Now, mind you, I am also a sucker for, like, bonding with a weapon montage in, like, some kind of emotional mm-hmm. connection. Because there's a Star uh, a Star Wars Rebels episode that does a similar, like, I will earn this blade that I'm, like, yeah. a huge fan of. I do love that Tashi Station finally she appears when Luke's been talking about it since 1977. And we've never seen it before today. Or not today, but... and. I mean, Black Hersantin. I still don't know how to pronounce that. They finally said it in, in K- episode Karanstan? three. Kersantan? Kersantan? Because uh, I remembered it was kind of like Chrysanthemum, except e- it's Kersantan. He's an evil Wookiee. With fucking taser gloves, which was horrific. <laughs> anyway. Okay, yeah, we won't get too much farther into that. Sorry, Yui. Uh, it's Star Wars. No worries. You get it. I remember um, I do intend on watching it eventually. It's just, I don't know, been doing a lot lately. It's only three episodes out. you got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, God, I usually say we go to news now, but we're not really doing news. So I guess we'll take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll, uh, it's some time for some adventure. <laughs> I like what you did there. Yeah, see? Mathematical. So thanks to bad timing, you and I have done two watch a decent amount of television episodes in a row on a weekly thing because over on uh, New Byland, and I'm not sure where they come out in the release order, uh, we just did WandaVision, and I finished that up, and I'm like, yeah, I just watched a bunch of TV. Oh, my God, I have one week to watch three seasons of Adventure Time. How did I plan this so badly? Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that like an insight behind because it's not happening this way anyway. What we really should have planned on was this just being a new violent season. Yeah. Just where like where the many, news. Yeah. Oh, that would have been good. Uh, so, yeah, I guess if you kind of enjoy these, go check out New Byland as well. Um, yeah. So in my case, I sat down and was like, oh, I'll watch a few hours like at the beginning of my day. And then I watched this show for like 11 hours straight, I think. <laughs> It was like, okay, I got to stop now. Like, my brain is melting. <laughs> That's I think the longest stretch I was able to do was three hours, and then I was just not paying enough attention, and I'm like, mm. I need to pay attention. So if at any point you're like, on this episode, and you need to remind me of why, that's because all of it is one giant 
tube of Single Adventure Time. Yes, for me. <laughs> um, on that note, I guess here's where we usually talk about what is our history with Adventure Time. But to be honest, in our cases, it's very simple. It's basically none. Yeah, I know that I saw two episodes at a friend's house once. I couldn't tell you what episodes. I probably won't even recognize the episodes when I get up to them. <laughs> I I watched the pilot when it came out on YouTube. Someone showed it to me, and then I forgot about it. And then you, we watched it in the background. Like, when we were living together, I'd get home and, like, Adventure Time mm-hmm. would be on. But that's it. Uh, Yui, yours is a little uh, a stronger of a connection, shall we say. Yeah. Um, so, like you, I watched the original pilot back in, like, 2007 when it was released by Pendleton Ward on YouTube uh, because he had created the pilot. And it was in that Nickelodeon pilot show, and it gained a lot of popularity there. And... So I kind of, you know, just grew up with the series, even though I was like 18 at the time when it aired. No, I guess it didn't air until I was 20. So like I was definitely like in that adult audience Mm -hmm. fan base of the show as it was coming out. I enjoyed like all of the like breakdowns on like all the weird little things in the background and kind of similar to Steven Universe and that fandom because I mean that Steven Universe became possible because of Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. And, like, not only, like, because of directly, like, Rebecca Sugar's work on the show and then, like, going on to be able to create Steven Universe, but just, like, the reshaping of how cartoons and their audiences interact and, like, the Internet's help in that evolution, especially in regards to this show. And, like, I remember being, like, super impacted by when uh, the finale aired, like, yeah, I cried super yeah, hardcore. I, like I walked home, walked in the door. You were sobbing in front of your computer while the credits <laughs> were going, and I had no idea what was happening. Wait, wait, wait. I, there, there's something uh, before we get too far past it. Nickelodeon had a pilot show. Yeah, I keep thinking yes. of what a cartoon, but that's really aging me to like uh, the early '90s in Cartoon Network. Let me pull up my notes here. Well, because, like, I remember VH1 had a pilot show because that's how I got into Rick and Morty. Really? Was because of a Justin Roiland joint that was on that one. And if you'll remember, like, the pilot, yes, was aired on Nickelodeon, but the show was produced and aired by Cartoon Network because Nickelodeon refused to air past the pilot just because they're like, oh, well, this isn't commercially viable, so we just won't do that. Well, it wasn't so much because I was reading a bit about this. It wasn't so much they wouldn't air past the pilot as they were just like not funding it at all. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he eventually and they just was, didn't believe in the concept mostly. And then he eventually took it to Cartoon Network that they were like, we like it, uh, but you're going to work with this person whose name I'm blanking. Was Pat McHale. Yeah, who he had worked with before to be like, let's just fine tune this. A little bit. Because he, he had worked with Pat McHale and I, I forget who else on uh, the Adventures of the Misadventures of Flatjack. And that's where he got his uh, big start in cartoon animation. I have absolutely um, no being, idea what that is. Uh, it's another, uh, I think it was Cartoon Network show. Or no, sorry, Nickelodeon. Um, and I'm still trying to look for the name of that like show. I think I found uh, Random Cartoons. Yeah. 
Random cartoons, yes. Random with an exclamation uh, point. Random yes. cartoons. And that's where the pilot initially aired. And after it had aired there, that's when Pendleton had uploaded it to YouTube. And that's where it gained its big success. And then Cartoon Network had, like, denied Pendleton Ward the chance for, like, having that show until they had teamed him up with Pat Patrick McHale and Adam Muto, who ended up becoming the final showrunner mm-hmm. uh, when we get to, like, Pendleton Ward's exit around season five. Mm. So they were there in the beginning stages of, like, helping develop this world and this concept beyond just that one seven-minute cartoon. Yeah. I, I really s- liked reading his inspirations, like, for, like, writing and character design, like, being heavily influenced by his playing uh, one-off D&D a lot uh, mm-hmm. growing up. I had never quite, I had heard that before, like, people being like, oh, D&D was inspired Adventure Time. And I'm like, I don't understand how. And then as I'm watching, it became much more apparent, but not in the ways that usually oh, yeah. when something was like, this is inspired by D&D. And you look and there's like Conan the Barbarian ripoff in the corner. See, I my favorite. I never even heard that much or else I might have checked it out earlier. <laughs> uh, my favorite part about that is that like you can have these weird little bits like in that kind of outline that I started off the pitch for this show with like I outlined all of these weird random episodes in these first three seasons that it will take us another three or to four seasons to like have the full context of that moment come into full view and that especially like thinking back on any of the games that I've played like all of those little like kind of seeds that you don't even think about that have been laid there before you to into this bigger cohesive concept it's fun to see and Adventure Time does that really, really good. I will say I forgot how many characters you named after Adventure Time characters in that Star Wars campaign I ran for us for a couple of years. <laughs> uh, where they, they played a droid named Bimo. Oh, okay. And then as they collected various other NPCs over time, a lot of them got uh, uh, Adventure Time names that I was like, okay, that's weird that we're naming this ancient battle droid Billy, but... Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't wait for you guys to meet Billy. We did meet. Or wait, Billy. we already had. Yeah, we yeah, met Billy. Billy. <laughs> Billy was one of my favorite parts. That before. was one of the better episodes we I, I saw. Uh, <laughs> I love that they got Lou Ferrigno for that, and they tried to have him like that scream that he does in the end. Like I guess in the recording booth, they were trying to get him to like scream or like kind of sing like an 80s hair metal band like <laughs> and Lou Ferrigno is just like <laughs> and it was so funny oh that's great <laughs> and the fact that they ended up using it in the episode well I mean so if you're going to pay Lou Ferrigno to yell Billy then you might as well get as much as you <laughs> they can they got like two takes before they gave up <laughs> Look, if I ended up with Lou Ferrigno in anything I would also try to find an excuse to use the Lonely Man track that was the end credits for the Hulk, but... Isn't mm-hmm. Lou Ferrigno, like, a little bit deaf? Yes. So that might be part of it. They're like, like this. And he's like, I, all, all I hear is the yelling. <laughs> I didn't put it together that that was Lou Ferrigno when we were no, watching No, not until... That's awesome. There are so many fun, like, voice acting cameos. Like, the obvious ones of, like, Mark Hamill and... Um, Justin George yeah, the yeah, George Decay one, I was like, well, that's the obligatory <laughs> early 2000s. Have you noticed any of the others? 
Have you noticed any of the other Star Trek references or cameos? Uh, well, you mentioned Mark Hamill, which is Star Wars. I know there's an episode that has Riker, because you showed me that one specifically. But that's later yeah. on. Yeah, um, we haven't got to that one yet. I think I heard Michael uh, Dorn at one point in this, who played Worf. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was the episode where a uh, magic man turns him into a foot. And then oh, they have yeah. to find the other people living under the bridge and, like, get them to get out of their sadness. Without an insult on that episode, that episode was fine. Uh, God, I want Michael <laughs> Dorn to have such a bigger role in pretty much everything. Because he's got such a good voice for voice acting. Mm-hmm. When, he, when he pops up and stuff. Good. God, there was a lot of good voices. Biz Markey? I don't know who. He was a Snorlock. Oh, Bismarck, he was oh, the, yeah. the 80s rapper, the Just a Friend. You oh, say okay, yeah. Just a Friend. I did not realize that was okay. <laughs> uh, I, the obvious one for voice actors being one of your favorite voice actors, who's Jake in this, who is suddenly I'm blanking his. I jo- fucking love John DiMaggio. John DiMaggio. John DiMaggio. Thank DiMaggio. You. I fucking love Johnny D. Uh, He's great. Uh, th- that's part of what sold you on doing this. Just, oh, I get to listen to Johnny D. And even though he always sounds like Johnny D almost. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's not hard to spot him. (laughs) And then the one, and I don't know her name, but it was very distracting to me. Anytime princess Bubblegum popped up because she's the voice of Starfire uh, from teen Titans. That's a hidden vault. And all I could hear was Starfire. (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite uh, bits of trivia on uh, like the voice actors is from like the pilot when they did that they had most of the same voice actors like Hinden Walsh was still played Princess Bubblegum John DiMaggio still played Jake and uh, the voice actor of Finn his older brother ended up voicing Finn but by the time they had gotten the show into production that voice actor was too old and just sounded you know just too old to be mm. 12 so they got his younger brother, Jeremy Shada, to voice in for the rest of the series. That's fun. That's fun. It's just Finn the human. He's here to adventure. <laughs> Mathematical. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh man, my favorite like voice credit that they have is uh, the voice of Tree Trunks, the elephant. It's this old woman named Polly Lou Livingston, and uh, she's a family friend of Pendleton Ward, and she just talks like that in real life. Oh, okay. So there's no voice acting there. That's just... Not really. Yeah, that's that's her. That's amazing. That makes me so happy. Does she also make (laughs) apple pies obsessively, or...? I mean, I'm guessing. Tree Trunks is way up there for me so far on characters I actually dig on. Uh, I know we're only on season three, but I cannot wait for all of the backstory to happen for Tree Trunks because it gets pretty nuts. I'm I'm definitely on Marceline the Vampire Queen. Oh, she's my favorite. Yeah. But Tree Trunks is up there for me. Like, Marceline, though, is hands down my favorite character so far. Also, well, that doesn't like, surprise me at all knowing you. Um, <laughs> also with Marceline, anytime she starts singing, I'm like, oh, there's Rebecca Sugar's influence. Uh, I know that doesn't mean anything to you, but I have listened I mean, to the her, Steven Universe soundtrack enough times. <laughs> that is a major part of where Rebecca Sugar's influence shines through is like not only in like the development of Marceline, the character, but in like the songwriting, 
uh, in the show because that becomes a major part of like a lot of characters, like their backstory, just like the episodes. And uh, ah, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting like you're getting too wrapped up in all of the weird details of this show, and it makes me so happy. I think I've somewhere seen. Like the, I just don't remember where I would have watched it. Other stuff on Marceline, the vampire queen, like some, because I know bits of her backstory mm. that I don't know how I know them. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, this doesn't line up. I don't think this lines up because I have questions about this, but I just, you don't know why you have, questions I don't know why. That. No. Well, okay. and so we'll get to it. Like, I'll be like, so on one of these, I'll be like, and that's we, the episode I saw. We've seen Holly Jolly secrets, but we haven't seen. I remember you yet. Never mind. Sorry. Trying to get like my timeline right. No, you're fine. This is, as I said, all of this is just one giant lump of adventure time, which helped because honestly, because I, I had trouble getting into this show at first. Like when I first started watching and I don't want that to be like the first seasons were bad because they're not, they were just different enough from what I usually go from that. I don't know if I would have stuck with it if I hadn't watched it in like, well, honestly, for this or for the large swaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, to be fair, like even the production of the show in these early seasons was very uneven. Like they didn't really know where the show was going to go. And the development of not only like the mushroom war, but all of the backstory for just like this entire land was developed just through like the fan interaction with the show. Like they created the relevance of the mushroom war. They created the relevance of like all of the major uh, relationships between some of these characters. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, it kind of helped shape the direction the show took. So especially these first three seasons, they do a lot of really slow world building, like even slower than the universe at times. Because it doesn't like there's, it takes a long time for things to start grouping together because just looking at my outline it won't be until the end of season four that we'll see our first big plot arc that tracks i was seeing it start to develop by season three but like i mean even just beyond like i don't i'm trying to find a way to describe this just to put where i was coming in from um the character designs are different from the kind of cartoons that i usually watch okay because i Mm -hmm. usually have more of a like Avatar The Last Airbender being the style of cartoon I'm more likely to go for, or Batman the Animated Series, or even Steven Universe. Like, the, you know, there's a cupcake man walking by isn't usually the kind <laughs> of cartoon that I go for. I, at first I was finding this show a little grating because it's a little, like, shrieky. Okay. It, like, people yell, and I was, I'm just like, man, I am not used to hearing kids yelling. Okay, that's like... Uh, if you if you think about it, like, especially the series, like, it starts off, like, Finn is 12, so we're dealing with, like, a 12-year-old's perspective, mm-hmm. needs, wants, and, like, ideas of the world, and he's in this weird, magical world, so that, do, to me, helps influence, like, those early seasons. Do they announce how old he is early on? Because, like, I didn't have a real, I knew he wasn't, like, an adult, but I didn't have much of a gauge for how old he was until those episodes where uh, Princess Bubblegum is de-aged to 13 at his age. 
I think it's, yeah, it's mostly just through, like, weird context clues, and they're going to be, like, one really quick reference, like, and line in and scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think it was established originally in the pilot, because, like, there's a scene where Finn's like, I'm a 12-year-old boy, and then Jake's like, I'm 28. And so that's where they initially, like, age them, and then as the series progresses, they age from that point onward in linear quote-unquote time i didn't i didn't do a lot of research on the show i did run into something that i i don't know some fans figured out that roughly every season is six months it's not exact but it kind of averages out that way well and trying to keep track of time on literally any tv show ever is a fool's errand (laughs) let alone one with, again, not to harp on this, a cupcake man wandering through the back <laughs> or an old senile elephant that makes you apple pies. This, this world was created from the nuclear blast of a crazy war that happened a thousand years ago, and now things are all crazy wonky. So, yeah, sometimes time is not going to make sense, and that will be way more apparent like in later seasons because, mm-hmm. oh, man. I know we're not to those episodes yet, but they're so good. Ah, okay. gotta limit myself on things I can talk about. This is <laughs> definitely the hard part when you're only watching specific episodes for an episode. I think, but uh, you can't cram ten seasons into no, an episode. I know that was your original proposal, and I turned you down flat. <laughs> like we're not doing that. <laughs> uh, I think to tag up on what you were saying about. Uh, like the earlier, because I was having mm-hmm. a hard time in the earlier seasons too, but for a different reason. I actually think I would have enjoyed it more if I would have been catching it like week to week. Especially I could see that, the, getting especially two episodes the first at a time or whatever. Because it reminded me a lot of Discworld. Okay. Where Discworld starts as a fantasy parody. Mm hmm. And I would say that, like, the first season, at least, of Adventure Time is 50% kids' show parody. Excellently mm-hmm. done kids' show parody. Yeah. Like, to the point where I'm like, if I ever planned on having kids, I would make sure they watched this show. Like, I I thought the parody was... It, it's like, one of those fun things where you're making fun of something mm-hmm. while also being something at the mm-hmm. same time. But that's kind of what I felt like was holding it back. Because with traditional kids show animation uh especially because i i know that some of the art and some of the influences they were looking back all the way to like the fleischer cartoons mm-hmm. well it's like looney tunes there's no like well, there's real a... continuity exactly and so i was having a hard time with like binging the show and the world having continuity but finn and jake having almost no continuity for the first like season and a half that's fair and they do start to introduce that more as, like, especially post-season two. Mm-hmm. As soon as that started becoming coming in more, I felt like the show started to, like, like I said, with Discworld, it started a parody, and then the world is still set in parody, but it becomes a satire and about so much other things. Real this characters one, it's like, in a parody world as opposed to parody characters in mm-hmm. a parody world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's the moment that, Finn admits that he has a crush on Princess Bubblegum, that it really starts to like, okay, let's shift towards these are like ongoing narratives with these characters. And I don't know why that's the moment in my brain that I was like, where it switched, but. I mean, that is kind of the defining point of like when Finn progresses beyond just that like 
he's a young boy. He's like carefree. He's just doing what he wants. That's uh, the beginning of like his emotional awakening. It's the exact moment sense. puberty hit him. Um, <laughs> how old yeah. is Princess Bubblegum? Because I had thought like I knew she was older than him, but I thought they were close to the same age. She's at least 18 because she has to be 18 to rule the kingdom. That's okay. And That's as much as I will say. Okay. I just, uh, I, don't even, I don't even need the specifics, but I was just trying to get the like rough age. She's at least Okay, 18. okay. Now I am knowing that she's definitely not just 18, but she's fair at least enough. 18. Uh, we're she's talking about 18. mental and emotional age here at this point. Um, <laughs> You know, okay, thinking of Princess Bubblegum made me think of this. I do find, and it's something that I found interesting, and they did it more in the first season, but also kind of horrifying, was they would, like, start to set up for, like, after-school special lessons, and then no one would learn, like... Or they'd learn a bad lesson. Yes! That was, that's where I was like, this is an amazing, like, (laughs) deconstruction and parody of, like, kids' cartoons. That very first... Sometimes you make wrong decision and that's bad <laughs> that that very first episode no, uh, not the pilot but like when they were actually making the tv show the zombie one mm-hmm. oh yeah where, like the lesson was you just tell me you're keeping a secret as opposed to maybe you shouldn't keep a secret that's going to kill everybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah since we were talking about princess bubblegum for a moment like she was the moment that I was like, oh, okay, I'm not just, like, enjoying this. Now you have my attention very much involved her. I fucking, I, like, sat up in my seat. I was like, oh, shit, out loud when they just ended with her dead. <gasps> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, this is what this show's doing? Stuff okay, you now have my attention. Yeah, no, when they first introduced, like, I don't know, the concept of the lich. Mm. The Lich was cool. Good. I mean, I, lo- I love me some Ron Perlman, too, so... Oh, that was Ron Perlman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, man. Because war. And I'm war so glad that the Lich comes back. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Um, uh, since we're kind of just bumping through characters here and stuff, uh, and I don't have much on this one, I kind of want to drown Lumpy Space Princess in a bathtub. Yeah, no, I'll agree with you. <laughs> LSP is the worst. I mean, she's supposed to be the worst. I, I, and I, like, re- I recognize that. Like, and I'm, that's why I'm not saying it as a critique of the show. But uh, And the fact that, like, Pendleton Ward chose to be like, no, I'm voicing Lucky I did Princess. not know that was Pendleton Ward. That actually makes me like her more. But she is a little <laughs> bit of, like, somehow a mix of, like, Hitchcock and Gina from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Or, like... You know, there's always that one character that, like, is supposed to be awful. She's very self-centered. Yeah. She's the U.S. agent. Like, that's her entire thing. Of the show. (laughs) You're a terrible person. Whatever. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, whatever. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, no, she was the worst. When she tried to start drama with the wolves... That that was pretty funny though, admittedly. Like that one and I love her detailed involved like inner life and um, like the fact that she's like, I had my parents, so I'm running away to the woods to eat beans. Or uh God, what was she had one line that made me laugh and I don't know why. I think it was in the It's the one that she revealed that she broke up with Brad. I think it's the movie night episode. Oh, that's the, 
Uh, no, that's the uh, the episode where Finn has his birthday party and Jake like turns the prank around on yeah. him. Yeah, the the train. Oh, that was. That- Wait, no the no. the haunted mansion, the haunted mansion, yeah, uh, yeah. Which one was one of the better episodes that we that has aired in these first three seasons? It was one as a sucker of like Poirot style mysteries, but there's a bit where she like is running or I guess floating through the halls, yelling, "Brad, I'm ready for you now" or something like that. I'm like, oh yeah, Jesus, that's after that's... they've revealed uh, they've revealed the like bait and switch and like everybody's fused into Lady Lady Rainicorn's body, and then they have the close up of. Uh, Multi-space princess being like, Brad, I'm so ready for you now. It's so obvious. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I've been laughing about that for like three days and I'm not entirely <laughs> sure why. I'll just like hear that in my head and be like, Wait, I'm at work. I have to like actually focus. <laughs> There's unfortunately a lot of really good multi-space princess moments that will just like worm their way into your vocabulary and there's no way to stop it. I'm sorry. Oh, so it's like when I started using totes. Yes. <sighs> Still use that <laughs> damn word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second worst for me after Lumpy Space Princess, though, I fucking Ice King. Really? I love the Ice King. <sighs> I mean, he's even the after worst. Holly Jolly Secrets. Even after Holly Jolly Secrets. Like I think he's I think he's more interesting, but that doesn't make him any less of the worst. Okay, as a person, you are correct. Am- he's terrible, but especially with Holly Jolly Secrets, and I, as I said, I think I know more about Ice King's Ice King, not Creams Ice King's <laughs> past without really knowing how I know it. Um, I feel like you do. There's like he's definitely about more Ice interesting. King. There's something about Ice King that really makes me laugh. Uh, and I I think part of it, and I don't know why I decided this was okay, is the moment that Princess Bubblegum gets turned 13. And he's like, well, I'm <laughs> he's out. like, no, and I'm leaves. out. <laughs> like, I was like, well, Ice King, you're a terrible person, and you can't kidnap princesses like this. But, like, thank you for not At being a pedophile. You <laughs> <laughs> have to win it. <laughs> there, there's something kind of fun about like he's the villain but doesn't quite understand that he's the villain like for him it's just like a game they play I just, uh, uh, man we have to revisit like your feelings on Ice King in episode 2 because there's going to be a lot of backstory drops soon and I can't wait to hear your opinions on if they change or not Holly Jolly whatchamacallit that's the one where we find it we watch all those old tapes yeah <laughs> Yeah, the first two-part episode of, like, the entire series where, like, um, where they're having the Christmas, like, episode, and they're watching all the secret tapes, mm-hmm. and, yes, because now we know that, like, he was once Simon Petrikoff, and so, like, the crown has driven him crazy, and, like, so he's definitely lived for the entire existence since the Mushroom War till now, so he's gone through a lot of things. <laughs> There, there was a little bit of like Lovecraftian feel to that almost that little bit where we see it and he's like, you know, I found this thing and it's slowly driving me insane. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then and it's a def- giant cartoon ice crown, so it's not quite Lovecraftian. But mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry. We'll learn more about it. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. For me so far, I'm trying to remember the name of the character. I think it was Mike. Did you ever read Control-Alt-Delete? 
webcomic? For a long time, but it's been also yeah. a long time. I think it was I think it was in that what was there a character Mike that was basically a munchkin whenever they'd play D D? Or am I thinking of a different webcomic? I don't know. Anyway, I might be thinking, ooh, it might have been least I could do. Anyways. Uh, just to make sure, can you guys still hear me? Yeah, yeah, fine. Okay, sorry, one of my headphones died. But Mike was also terrible in the same way as Ice King, except more real life, which yeah. was even worse. No, no. Uh, Ice King only works for me because he's a cartoon character, so I'm like, all right. But my problem was with Ice King was when he was at his best so far, he was at like normal mic levels. And Fair I was enough. like, mm, I already hated this character. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, he is still meant to be like an antagonist. So like Finn as like the protagonist. So like there is going to be some sort of like, yeah, you, you're kind of but Ice King. There's no way around that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to hang out with Ice King. I just find him entertaining. Gunther, on the other hand. Gunther, yeah, you know, you know take a bullet for most penguins. Um, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> although definite signs that Gunther's a dick, which I appreciate. <laughs> Gunther follows no laws. And that's great. <laughs> I kept um, wondering, looking at the different penguins and stuff, if there's kind of a uh, Gonzo the Great and his chicken situation going on of like, because Gonzo the Great has his girlfriend, Carmilla the chicken, but he doesn't <laughs> actually know which chicken is Carmilla. So any chicken that is nearby is Carmilla, is Carmilla, which oh, is. Geez, I'm trying to, I know there's one episode where like, Ice King lists out like all the names of his penguins and they're all just variations of Gunther. Okay. That's what I was wondering. Like, is Gunther a specific penguin or is it just like whatever penguin is closest to him at that moment is Gunther? Like there's a definite Gunther and we will find that out later. But uh, like, as far as we know, like right now, Gunther is just any penguin that is close to Ice King. But yeah, so there's an episode where he's like, my penguins, Gunther, Ginter, Gunther, and like just list them all out. And it's just really funny. Like they, I love a lot of the weird, like little one-off jokes that they have like that. Like even their fart jokes are just like, this is too funny. Why is this so funny? It's a fart joke. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to try to explain this world and correct me in places where I am wrong. Cause I'm just trying to see if I understand mm -hmm. how this is. Overall, it is called the Land of Ooh, and that's yes. That's like the planet, or like the continent. Uh, as far as we know, yeah. As far as we know, it's just the continent they are existing on. Okay, and then within that, there are different kingdoms, and they all seem to be themed. <laughs> like yes, they all have their own princesses. Like there's the Candy Kingdom, the Fire Kingdom, Ice Kingdom, ruled by Keith David. That's the other one I was forgetting. <laughs> Oh, that yeah. one did make me happy. Anywhere we can get Keith David. Yeah. We need, like, Keith oh, David oh. and Ron Perlman working together. All um, the time. <laughs> and Tony Todd. I also just remembered yes. another fun voice actor trivia. Like, uh, Olivia... What's her name? Crap. Uh, the voice actress for uh, Marceline the Vampire Queen, Olivia Olsen. Uh, her actual 
real life father voiced Hunton Avedere in the show. Uh, voice two. Uh, wait, have we met Hunton Avedere? I I am not oh placing God. this yeah, character. No, so we went. Uh, he was the king of the Nidosphere. That it was episode one of season two. It came from the Nidosphere. Is that the one where her dad appears? Oh yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So he actually voiced her dad. Okay. Cool. I just wasn't for, I just was like, Marceline's dad. That's who that character is. Um, And the voice actress was actual dad voice, her dad in the series. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Her dad looks like an accountant. Mm -hmm. I think he looks kind of like an accountant. Probably. (laughs) But anyway, sorry. Uh, Back to the Land of Ooh. Land of Ooh, and then there's the different, so Fire Kingdom, Candy Kingdom, Ice... Uh, ice, I guess, kingdom, but that one, instead of a princess, has the Ice King. The Nidosphere, yeah. which is kind of like hell by the sound of it. Uh, but then there's also the Death World that we'll find later. But then is, so uh, like, does every princess rule their own? So like, Hot Dog Princess kind of just seems to hang out in a pen. Yeah, that's like the extent of her kingdom, it seems. Like, they'll go out on missions, like, Okay, so the definition of kingdom is pretty broad here. Yes. Like, there are major princesses, there are minor princesses, they all have their kingdoms, but, like, the major players that we need to, like, really worry about is mostly just Princess Bubblegum, and eventually, like, we just met uh, Fire Princess in the last, like, yeah, Flame, in the last, like, episode we watched, I think. Yep, Mortal Recoil, or no, sorry. Do you just know remember. these episodes by like names by heart, or are you looking at I a have list? the list? Okay, that <laughs> I have a little bit of both. <laughs> I'm not judging. I have an entire podcast where I prove that I know too many comic book characters without having to look I them mean, up. But I was just curious. Yeah, no, there's there's a reason why I positioned this hard for this show. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, there are the major kingdoms, which we mostly just need to worry about the ice kingdom which yeah again is ruled by ice king candy kingdom ruled by princess bubblegum um eventually we'll find the lands of uh lemon grab but we haven't gotten there quite yet more lemon grab yes yes (laughs) (laughs) oh he was Uh, the worst and it made me so happy uh, and oh man! If I was going to complain about part. shrieky characters, he's <laughs> he is like the most extreme though, and oh he's meant God. to be that extreme. I, I, I yeah, but oh, Royland is always shrieky. Is that the yeah? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh. I guess getting back to the world of Ooh, like uh, I know we talked a little bit about like the mushroom more and how like the fans helped create that, but uh, I guess to get a little bit more into that like uh it all sort of stemmed just from like that opening sequence oh with the, the bombs in the corner yeah because like i know there was like this big breakdown of like when it was first airing like they would go through like frame by frame and slow down each character interaction like pick out the details and like the the background because i'm sure you guys have noticed there's just like lots of little like notes little random bits like, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've noticed the snail a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And that just becomes a fun little, like, Easter egg. And eventually, uh, 
Wait, no. The snail has been turned into the plot point already, yeah? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. What's the... When we encounter the lich the the first time, like when... Yeah. Like when they first meet him in the amber in the tree, uh, the snail, like up till that point, he's just in like a random frame in every episode, but he's there when they meet the lich, and since he's not protected, he gets like possessed by the lich. Yes, okay, okay. And then that becomes important for the rest of the story. So that's like just kind of that example of that slow evolution of like things in the background suddenly becoming more apparent over time. The internet fandom, not just of Adventure Time, but in general, both impresses and horrifies me with stuff like this. (laughs) Where I'm like, well, and that's really cool. And I'm glad that you caught that and that you reported it somewhere so I could catch that now because I wasn't going to on my own. But also, what do you do with your day? Like, all elements, apparently, they go through Adventure Time frame by frame by frame. Mm-hmm. I've never went through anything like, frame by frame, but I did do an entire rewatch of Big Mouth just trying to figure out who the ponytail killer is, so I get it. <laughs> that means nothing to I me, know. but yes. Um, I was going to say, it is interesting with the fandom of you have to, I mean, you you already said that in a lot of cases, the fandom kind of started developing some of the plot and the showrunners listened, which can be really good or really bad, depending on the fandom that you have. But uh, I, I do have to wonder how much time people spend. And I wonder this about Night Vale as well, that the show creators spend lurking on like the Reddit chats being like with a notebook at hand being like, interesting. I mean, especially uh, with Adventure Time and then later Steven Universe, um, like the creators were known to run just like online blogs and like WordPress accounts and like Tumblr, things like that. And they would have like a direct engagement with their audience in like real time. So there was at least some sort of influence, but there was still like, you know, the creative team of writers and they had like their production oversights and things like that. And even in Adventure Time, eventually just to, like, show that, like, they do listen, they eventually add in the kind of, like, I guess, fan service, quote-unquote, of uh, the Fiona and Cake episodes. Uh, a lot of just in-referencing to, like, the fan base and, like, jokes and things like that. And those just become more and more, like, prominent throughout the series, eventually. Well, and we've seen the first Fiona and Cake episode at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh also, was that God? What's her name? She played Sadie in uh, uh, Steven Universe. She's part of Garfunkel Notes. Um, I can't um, think of that actress's what's name. Her name. Was that her? Name? Kate Mikuchi. Okay, yeah, that's uh, who I was thinking of. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she was at least some voice. I know she was one of the ghosts in the uh, Heat Signature episode. She's another one of those people that seems to have picked up a career as a voice actor in a lot of like. Uh, I mean, it's a profitable way to be an actor. Well, in smaller ways, and it's a real like. I, I don't mean that in any kind of disrespect. I'm glad she's doing it. She's got a great voice for cartoons. Mm-hmm. Who were you we saying she was? Uh, I was wondering if she was playing either Fiona. I th- I think it was Fiona. Yeah, from Fiona and Cake. Uh, Fiona is Madeline Martin. Oh, okay. Well, I'm. No idea why I thought that was her then. Who's probably best known for Californication. Uh, She was one of the main roles on there for like the first six seasons. Oh, she just looks kind of like the person that I was thinking of. So when I'm like looking on your screen over there on the other side of the room. 
Oh my gosh, I didn't realize she was like, I knew she was at least one of the ghosts from the heat signature, but I was like looking up uh, some of the other episodes she was on, and it was on one of my least favorite episodes. <laughs> it's one called Chips and Ice Cream. I don't remember which season it's from specifically, but I just remember not liking it. <laughs> nah, it's going to happen. I mean, we watched what? 14 and a half hours of Adventure Time just for this, and our next chunk is longer. So, yep, because more and more episodes start, you know, becoming more plot involved and they become more important. So, you have to like actually pay attention to them. That actually, like I said, that makes me happy because I think it's going to make it a little bit easier. Because the mm-hmm. what was most grating was that first season for me where there wasn't much continuity, it was so. definitely a little hard. Mm-hmm. And like even like as a fan of the show, like when I go back and rewatch it, like those first few seasons, I put on as like background noise mm-hmm. because like I know what parts to look for. I know like kind of where the story is going to go, and I really am watching for like those later seasons to see all of that payoff. But it's still good, like kind of like when you watch like Next Gen, you still watch season one to see where it came from. But you don't watch it because, like, season one is your absolute favorite. No, and there's definitely, there's episodes from season one of Next Gen. My wife and I have been doing a watch through, slow watch through for a couple of years now. And there was one that was like, <laughs> we're not watching this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. For for all of our sakes, we're not watching this. But, like, season one has, like, a lot of really good mm-hmm. bits of, like, those establishing things about, ooh, they kind of introduce, like, who Finn and Jake are and like kind of the world around them and like this really wide possibility of characters and like things they could encounter and things just happen constantly. Um, Like I definitely like Ocean of Fear because that's kind of that for me, Ocean of Fear is kind of that first hint of maybe the show has elements deeper than it just being a fun little funky kid show. Because it then, like, started to tackle, like, those really deep-seated fears. And, like, Finn still doesn't overcome his fears in the end of that episode. That one legit horrifies me a bit because I am a little scared of drowning. Mm. And by that, I mean (laughs) I will never take a cruise for a lot of reasons. But one of them is pictures of the Titanic when I was a small child. (laughs) No, that's fair. I was going to say, even, like, we... We've all said how rough the first season is. So far, it also still contains one of my favorite moments. The the montage and song House Hunting in Evicted. Fantastic. Yeah. Don't stick your foot in there. And that was awesome. <laughs> Don't stick your foot in there, guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That was a glass. I'm man. <laughs> and that song was also sung by Pendleton Ward. Mm. And I just love his weird little like additions like i don't know his style in those early seasons becomes really apparent his style of humor and i don't know now this is for kind of next episode or next yeah of our episodes but he steps down after season four if i remember uh like mid season five is when he steps down as showrunner because he but, just like, did not like being showrunner. He found it, like, super stressful like, from what I was reading. He is incredibly introverted. Like, even during, like, those first four and a half seasons where he was running the show, 
like just going to cons constantly, the pressures of like keeping up a production schedule that constantly had issues because mm-hmm. it would take like roughly six months to produce an episode. And so you'd have to work um, on like six episodes simultaneously because. Yeah. So like they're working on an entire season at once almost. And so like in addition to like writing, character design, uh, production, promotion, like all those various elements, like him being as introverted as he is, it just became too much. And he just wanted to step back to being like a storyboard writer, which is where he got his start like back in uh, the his flapjack days. Like mm-hmm. that's where he initially started doing animation work. And so he just wanted to get back to that. And he would still like look over storyboards and give some input and kind of like give his blessing for like future seasons or episodes. But yeah, midway through season four is when we see a lot of his influence leave and when the show really starts taking that kind of linear directed story format well i guess that's more something to keep an eye on for in the future yes it doesn't super matter as much right now but it you can see the tonal shift of the show when it happens interesting i'm looking forward to it just to notice it yeah it, it's like when a comic book creator swaps off and a new person like takes over the writing chores and they're like well Hope this works. <laughs> that's, that's a good thing about like Adventure Time because they just handed it over to like one of the people who had been there from the start, Adam Muto, who ran the show until its uh, mm-hmm. end. I don't know if he's running the like Distant Lands series or not because I haven't really looked into them or watched them myself. Well, and for the episodes we're doing here, we are only covering the original Adventure Time series. We're not covering any yeah. of... So Only the original or Fiona and Cake or any of yeah. I mean, Fiona and Cake kind of encompass inside of that because they're yeah, but they're getting an actual they're getting an actual series too. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot that was just announced. Sorry. No, you're fine. This was me I'm, looking up everything on Adventure Time, being like, "What am I getting myself into?" <laughs> yeah, no. As far as we're concerned, we just care about the original ten season run of Adventure Time. I'm curious, do people prefer the, like, shorter 11-minute format, or do you want longer episodes? I enjoy the, like, storytelling, I don't know, structure that they had to put themselves into to tell a story in 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, and they tell a lot, and they talk a lot in there. Um, So I... I think it's okay. And after watching a few interviews with like the creators of the show, like they kind of viewed it as like, I don't know, a challenge in some ways to like make sure that like they could tell the story that they wanted in 11, in 11 minutes. And just like, um, it was this interview about Pendleton Ward's writing process where he tries to just like strip away everything except for like the bare essentials. And if you can't tell the story from just the bare essentials, then it's not it a probably story wasn't. Yeah, not a story worth telling. Well, I was just thinking about this because cartoons seem to be one of the only places that still are really committed to the like extremely short story format. Comic books are increasingly moving away from like the single mm-hmm. issue. I mean, back in the day, Spider-Man would have two stories in a single issue. 
And now it's like six issue storylines of like one single thing to be collected in a single trade. TV shows are increasingly moving away from the like 22 minute sitcom formats. Uh, all of these, but cartoons are like, no, I think we're really enjoying 11 minutes these days and just two in one. And I can't think of many other things that are doing two stories in the space of, for lack of a better term, a single episode. Yeah. Existing anywhere else. Oh, no, with the with the eleven minute, twelve minute episodes, it just kind of reminded me of watching a lot of cartoons growing up. Mm-hmm. It's got a, a kind lot, of Looney Tune feel to it. Well, I was gonna say like a lot of them, even post that into the nineties. Like I think, like Hey Arnold was two episodes every episode. Was it? I didn't. I'm pretty I sure. Yeah, they did a half hour block, like two 16. 11 minute blocks. Yeah. Oh, okay. And like that's one of my favorite cartoons of all time. So I was just kind of like, oh, sweet, we. As long as they're telling the story well, like oh, yeah. it's it's just a, a different style. For me, most of my cartoons was stuff like Batman Beyond, Beast Wars, mm-hmm. uh, Samurai Jack in particular. Oh, Samurai Jack, I love you so much. <laughs> but like, so the like full length format. So for me, it was like old school Looney Tunes moving up to the like 22 minute format and then moving back. And it felt at least like it felt to me like kind of refinding your roots. But I guess if they never really stopped, it was just... I completely missed that part of American television <laughs> the whole time. Um, lead, lead us, Yui. We don't know where we're going with this. <laughs> um, well, uh, I guess, like, kind of in addition to, like, uh, the creative team that helped build this world, like, they went out searching, like, not necessarily just from, like, the CalArts team, because, like, yes, admittedly, a lot of these people did go to the CalArts Institute. And, like, there's that whole, like, debate of, like, is it just, like, a weird institutional pipeline? But whatever, we're not here to talk about that. (laughs) They also went through, like, convention halls. They would go look for, like, independent animators to, like, help guest animate on this show. And they helped kind of foster that idea of, like, looking for people who were doing the work instead of, like, just people coming and, like, looking to just break in. They were already looking for people who, like, had the skills, were doing the work. And there was a few people, like, including, I think it was, like, Ian Jones Cordy, who was, like, an independent animator who helped on that show and eventually uh, moved on to other shows and eventually his own project. Hmm. That's fun that it's kind of an intro to, you know, a chance to break in. Yeah. If you're going to do creative work, the absolute heart, I don't want to say the absolute hardest part, but on some level, the absolute hardest part is just getting your foot in the door. Yeah. I and mean, then the next absolute hardest part is getting your other foot in the door. But like. <laughs> so there is a really fun story about um, Pendleton Ward when he was a kid. His mom took him to uh, Matt Groening's house, like just took him oh, and shit. knocked on the door. Did she know Matt Groening? No. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she takes her son, Pendleton Ward, to go meet Matt Groening, and she's like, hi, my son wants to be an animator and thinks you're really good. Uh, can you give him some tips? And he was like, yeah, sure, I will be nice and talk to you, young man. <laughs> and eventually, like, you know, he gets to be in the animation industry. He creates this, like, groundbreaking series, and, like, he then meets his hero, like, as a contemporary again later. And the fact that, like, John DiMaggio works on both, like, Futurama and Adventure Time, like, he, like, viewed that as, like, a weird kind of cool, serendipitous 
part of his career. No, that's super incredible. Like, look like, back at. Huh. I wonder if he was ever like, hey, do you remember, like, 15 <laughs> years ago when a weird lady showed up at your house and was like, talk to my child? <laughs> I am that child. So, yeah, I don't know. It's neat to see that evolution of influence that, like, this show has had on, like, both the rise in, like, anim- like children's animation that isn't necessarily geared strictly for children and, like, opening that door for, like, more adult-themed animation because it was shortly after, like, that they realized that, like, hey, we have an older adult audience who still likes this stuff that we see humor outside of like the family guy south park vein of adult animation humor and stoners have been been like we've been trying to tell you this for years (laughs) yeah yeah what i like about it go ahead uh, and then like even seeing any of pendleton ward's like post-adventure time projects like that same sort of like care and thought like i don't know if you guys have seen um midnight gospel or bravest warriors at all no, somebody those was, are really good as well. Uh, somebody was talking up Midnight Gospels to me earlier this week, and it sounds kind of right up my alley. I'm I'm going to check. Oh out my gosh! Episode. Please watch it. That's definitely going to be in my recommendations later. But please watch <laughs> that. Um, with with what you were saying about Adventure Time being like a little more adult oriented, but still being good kids TV, I think that it I I do want to like. I was going to say call out, but that makes it sound like a bad thing. But, like, point out how well it kind of is starting to thread that needle. Because Mm -hmm. there is always a danger with shows when you're going to start doing more serious stuff and when you're going to start doing more sequential storytelling to go dark with it. And there's a few... It is sometimes hard to do something that is both all ages but is actually all ages. Because, like, all ages is and sometimes kind of the, like, we're calling it all ages, but it's for kids. While a good all ages story, I, if I can find it in a comic book, I'll, I'm always searching those out. But, like, it's for kids, but it's also for adults. And finding that balance between the two is just so hard. I want to talk more about this in future episodes. But, like, definitely something to watch for as, like, we're going through this is, like, look at how... Finn will approach and sort of like deal with like the fact that he has started as this like supposedly like hyper masculine like supposedly you know I'm a tough guy rough and tumble kid and like see how he I don't know makes mistakes through that and like learns from that and I don't know how he then addresses like how he expresses himself because it's a really neat evolution as the series progresses. I was going to say, because early on, like, him and Jake are kind of only just, like, one step away from being frat bros. A little bit. Yeah. Um, so Jake is supposed to be 28, because he really does feel, I mean, he's, he sits that weird balance of he is both decidedly older than Jake and, like, Jake's emotional and mental uh, uh, contemporary. Like, especially they were raised the together. Jake is... Yeah, like, Jake is a magical dog. Like, they were raised as babies together. Finn is 13, but Jake has already lived an entire life without Finn. Like, he was a criminal. Like, we know that Jake has gone on to do things without Finn. And there's, there was apparently some time that we just don't know about. And Finn never talks about. I just realized that, like, Finn was <laughs> alone and didn't have Jake. Um, they just never mention that. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, 
I didn't know what was wrong. That was good. That was. <laughs> and they go to the, the city of thieves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, definitely view these earlier seasons as like that kid who has no view of like moral right and wrong, just being a kid. Yeah. And as we move on into season four, we're going to see him grow up a lot, and there's going to be a lot of missteps, a lot of times where Finn is just flat out wrong. And it's nice to see that in a character growth and development story and that like coming of age story where it's not just a hero making these decisions and like noble sacrifices. Like, Finn's a fucking idiot sometimes. <laughs> well, <laughs> he I'm... even says it himself. Let's be stupid. Are you still there? Just heard you swear. So Sorry, I can you still, still hear me? Yes, yeah. you're fine. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah, uh, it's not even so much that he doesn't understand right and wrong as he has such a childish idea of what right and wrong is that he misses mm-hmm. any kind of, like, detail work in what counts as right. You know, I will keep my promise mm-hmm. no matter what is right, even though, like, oh, no, Finn, buddy, you need to tell people about the zombies or about the literally pretty much every single thing that comes up in your life. You should probably be telling an adult about. (laughs) Oh man. Kind of going back to that uh, haunted mansion episode, like where he has that incident with the ghost and like nobody validates his experience. So he's like, and repression. (laughs) (laughs) Like just instantaneously. He's got a kind of cheek from Brooklyn nine, nine uh, to him now that I think about it. And he voiced a, Party Pat, the party bear leader, uh, Jake. Oh shit! Uh, not Jake Peralta. Andy uh, Samberg. Fucking Andy Samberg. Yeah. Hell yeah! Oh my god! And that the character party, party Pat was based off of Patrick McHale, which was one of the showrunners or one of who was Patrick? He's McHale a person. He was a person connected with the production of Adventure Time, and he went on to create uh, over the Garden Wall. Oh, I've heard very good things about that. Also very good. Uh, It's definitely like you can see the stylistic influences that all of these people who have gone on to create their own solo projects brought to Adventure Time. And like once you see like the kind of like web effect, like where it starts, like even before Adventure Time existed, because a lot of these people were working on the misadventures of Flapjack, uh, then moved on to Adventure Time or other uh, co-current projects uh, in that era of like late early 2000s 2010s that is and, one of the the fun things about when you're into a fandom enough to go behind the scenes because you can do similar with like a, uh, the Star Wars stuff right now most of it can be traced back to Avatar the Last Airbender because mm-hmm. uh, what's his name um, he's John Fav- not Favreau, the, uh, that's the Marvel guy. Uh, uh, oh, Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni, thank you. Dave Filoni was working uh-huh. on Avatar, and they're like, hey, we really like that. You want to come work for Star Wars? He's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and look at us now. Yay. All right, something I'm curious about. Maybe you can answer, Yui. Mm-hmm. I suppose I could have just looked this up, but this is more fun to No, ask. yeah. Put it up on the spot, it's great. Do they play uh, Lady Rainicorn's uh translation straight or is there hidden like bilingual bonus jokes if you actually know korean um 
as far as I know, uh, the voice actress, who is also the voice actress for BMO, mm. um, she was originally a character animator on the show, and they were having trouble like finding just someone to voice those characters. So they're like, how about you try? And they really liked it, and they went with it. And she will translate what's in the script from English to Korean. Okay. So it is like supposed to be like the just words that across. are meant to be in the script. Yeah. Okay. So if you like look up any translations, it will be what like I was is happening what in the story. That was I couldn't. I knew it was Asian, but I couldn't identify past hmm. that. I barely it speak is Korean. English. That's good to know. <laughs> I, I always watch with closed caption of... on, and so it always pops up speaking Korean. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and they also intentionally don't, like, translate it in any subtitles. <laughs> and that will come into play later in, like, where there's an episode of just, like, Princess Bubblegum and Lady Rainicorn doing an adventure. And so we only get, like, technically half of the story, but, like, through context clues, it's like, you know, you're supposed to be able to pick up what's happening. Mm-hmm. I think one but of the, it's still like ah. I think one of the earliest episodes where I really started to be sold on this show was the Princess Rainicorn episode, and it's where Jake decides that Rainicorn and Finn need to hang out more often. Oh, with uh, the translator? Yes, and with the old man translator, it's like that's why. <laughs> um, that was pretty good. I was kind of sad to see it go, but also like, yeah, fair enough. Well, I love that her dad is Henry Rollins. Who wasn't on this show? <laughs> it's it's going to be a way shorter list. <laughs> yeah. Who was Henry Rollins in? Uh, he was Triclops? Yeah, in, he was Triclops. Uh, in... uh, Masters of the Universe mm-hmm. Revelations. <laughs> Who looks like we're going to be getting a lot more Triclops if we get a season two out of that. That'd be great. Oh um, my gosh, I just remembered that uh, Weird Al Yankovic also does voice acting in Adventure Time. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, He Oof. was Banana Man. Yep. Okay. Oh, the I just <laughs> I don't even remember when, what he was actually looking, but the the uh, I had my death dream or whatever it was. Yeah. Beef it dream. Croak yeah, dream. his croak dream. Croak dream. That's yeah. it. Oh, another fun tidbit: uh, the design for the cosmic owl uh, came from a reflection on a urinal at the Cartoon Network studios. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's good. Like you can even like look that up and you will find like the exact image. And like, since you've seen uh, Cosmic Owl, you can see like just the like combining reflection circles that create the Cosmic Owl face. I'm just imagining like, well, I had my dick out and uh, I discovered <laughs> our next character. Everyone should come see. <laughs> Not my dick. <laughs> Not my dick. Please don't call HR again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess. Do you guys have any other questions that I might be able to answer about the world of Goo? Because I'm kind of lost in where I can go, especially on just the first three seasons. It is so hard to be the person who knows what happens next on these. Uh, I mean, I don't really have any other questions, but I did want to say that, like, I so far, I think my three favorite moments, I mentioned one of them, the, the house hunting song. Mm-hmm. They've all been songs, mm-hmm. though. Like, I love the... Mar- uh, Marcy's song about her father and then later on the one that she's playing for the door mm-hmm. like that those so far really have been good. my three favorite moments I was gonna so say far. anytime Marcy sings um, I know bits of what happens with Marceline just because as I said Yui was watching this in the background mm-hmm. so I'd walk in and be like oh 
those are, that's a character. And then like watching this being like, <laughs> I've seen that character. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really looking forward to hopefully significantly more Marceline, the vampire queen. Cause I would just watch a show about her happily. Oh, you will be so excited once we get to the later series and they have like entire mini seasons within them. Sweet. Yeah. Cause I was going to say the same thing. I would also watch a show just about her. Easily. Uh, you guys are going to be so excited once we get to Staked. Because mm, that's another thing that, like, like about, like, the storytelling that they employ, like, in this series. Like, they aren't afraid to tell those super condensed, like, really tight stories that happen in 11 minutes. And there's so much jam-packed into them that you kind of have to rewatch them several times to, like, fully, I don't know, just understand. Because you're like, what the fuck just happened? And then there's other episodes where they'll like they'll take an entire half a season to just go over one thing. And especially as they get into like the later end game stages, that happens more. Sweet. Exciting. Does Finn get more swords? Yes. Yes. Good. There's so much that will happen with Finn's swords because that's, you know, a very important part of being a hero for him so they use that as like a metaphor for his growth and we'll get to see that happen soon that's the thing i wanted to point out finn's dad is a dick oh yeah we haven't even met him and he's a fucking dick do it for daddy son i'm like no and luckily he gets it gets called oh, out in that you're episode, mean but... joshua oh no we haven't met no i just meant uh yeah the the dog finn calls dad at this point who is jake's dad yeah joshua finn and margaret favorite, so it's true yes Joshua and Margaret were great parents for Finn, but also they? they're crazy. Like we'll we'll get to see more of Joshua and Margaret, and it'll be great. But yeah, there's a definite reason why Jake is the way that he is. Do you, well, I was about like I get what you're saying out with the are they Zach, but like <laughs> I think allowances have to be made if you're raising a child to like live in ooh. Yes, but also like okay. Uh, plug your ears. Now, I need you to verbally and emotionally berate your brother. Okay, good Do it for daddy. Do it for daddy. (laughs) I love that, like, every every time they come up, I think of that one, um, oh, geez, I don't remember the name of the podcast, but, like, the one where it was, like, the two investigators, and they're like, clink. Oh, uh, 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 Beyond Belief from uh, Throwing a Picture Hour. That one, like, that's who I imagine is like imagine Joshua and Margaret because I know it's supposed to be like just the stereotype of like the original like investigator husband and wife series from like the 1940s that I'm blanking on the name of. Uh, the Thin, Thin Man. Man. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. But like, I don't know, it's fun. <laughs> oh my God. Bringing ah. up The Thin Man almost just changed my recommendation, but I'm going to hold off. Was it to The Thin Man? No, it was to Murder by Death, but. Oh, also good. Um, um, I think that's all I really have for this episode. I'm trying to think. Yeah, Did I mention so, everything I like? Yeah, I think so. General Nerdery is so much shorter when we don't do the news. That's why I keep being like, oh my God, <laughs> do we have enough time? No, we were doing this on purpose to do this. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'm excited to have our adventures continue yeah. in the land of Boo. Yay. Oh, also... One more bit of trivia that I recently just learned. That's why you're here. Uh, the, char- the character Jake was apparently based off of a Bill Murray character from the movie Meatballs, oh. uh, who's like a 
28 year old camp counselor who gives shitty advice. That's every Bill Murray character in one kind of, except as a camp counselor. I mean, yeah. But like having like watched that series, I just never learned that information. And so it's neat to see. That's fun. Uh, any recommendations before we go? I, yeah, Um, I'll start this off. Um, so the other thing I've, I've actually recommended this before, but I just got through season two because they just dropped it like a month ago. Just means so, I like it. Exactly. I'm going to re-recommend the series Hintified on Netflix. It's a dramedy set against a uh, Latino neighborhood being gentrified in Southern California. <laughs> and it's actually really funny for those circumstances. And uh, just, oh, man, such a good dramedy. Really touching, really funny covers a lot of shit that normally doesn't get a lot of representation. Uh, Afro-Latinx characters, lots of queer brown characters, um, and takes a really good look at the complexities of gentrification. Mm. Uh, It's not just white man's coming in and buying up everything. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't have time to go into the complexities, but the show does a really good job of, like, just sort of showing it in uh, how it kind of really affects families. Yeah, if you want to understand gentrification, this would be a good go-to for it. Yeah, but also, like, oh my god, they have a little bit of, like, characters for everybody. Like, uh, it's a show with, like, people who grew up around their culture, unlike me, but they made sure to still, like, one of the characters grew up in Boise and moved back down there. (laughs) (laughs) So they have the outsider person Mm -hmm. there. Okay, that's great. I love it. Um... Season two is even better than season one. Also a lot of chances to make fun of Boise, which I'm always down for. Yeah, it doesn't come up as often as you think it would, but... Yeah, it's Boise. Yeah, yeah, season two is even better, which is, I guess, slight spoiler for season one, but, like, it's kind of heavy because it's a comedy where they're dealing with the grandfather being under threat of deportation all season. Ah. Ah. So it's kind of like Ted Lasso's panic attacks. Every once in a while, they're like, it's time to be really serious about everything mm-hmm. that's happening right now. But also a lot of fun. I still need to watch that. Yeah, I, I'm sending it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Hentified. Um, For me, I'm going to go with, I'm, and I'm actually going to recommend this while admitting I have not finished it yet. It's one of the books I'm reading right now, but it's good enough that I'm just willing to risk it. Um, It's called Sirens by George Perez. George Perez being, he's come up a lot on this show, but arguably the goat of comic book creators when you have Cyborg, Starfire, Raven, Deathstroke, uh, Terminator, Nightwing, all under your, I made these, mm-hmm. I created these lists, like you're doing pretty well for yourself. And Sirens, I believe, is the very last work he did before he retired. And it's a... The characters are kind of a combination of the Birds of Prey and the Legion of Superheroes. Like, it's a a sci-fi mix of, like, sci-fi super team, but of all women from, I think, different planets or different somethings. But it's kind of got that. We talked about it last week with Grim. Was it last week we did Grimjack? Last time we did Grimjack? Yeah, last time we did Grimjack. We do too many podcasts. I can't keep track. Uh, (laughs) Of that 80s sci-fi comic feel of they're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And it's just anything could happen because of it. But from one of the greatest comic book creators in the history of the medium. 
So uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's really pretty, and every costume is ridiculously over the top because it's George fucking Perez. <laughs> Eustasia? Okay. So my recommendations, uh, kind of like we talked about earlier, definitely look into the Midnight Gospel. I'm also going to recommend uh, some internet series, uh, Bee and Puppy Cat, because I you, just really like that one. You showed that to me? Someone showed that to me. Yeah, and I think um, I'm blanking on the creator's name, but I know that they worked on both the Steven Universe and Adventure Time. That surprises so me not at kind all. Of, yeah. Um, and then as something completely unrelated to Adventure Time, I'm going to recommend an internet series named Interface by a creator uh, under the username Umami with spaces in between all the letters. And it's a really weird cerebral series about death. <laughs> Anytime you say what a series is about and end with a question mark, that's a, that's a good sign. Like it's just really short little episodes, like hand animated episodes, by the way. Um, God, like, and the animation is so crazy. And like the story is very intense and, the characters, like, especially once you get to know the character of Mischief, like, it's really neat. And I need to go back and watch the entire series now that it's ended. Um, so, yeah, it's a complete series on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, for the rest of you, we all know what we're doing next week because we've been very clear about it. We will be doing more Adventure Time, Yay. which we'll be doing, what, seasons mm -hmm. four through six? Yeah. Okay. Four through six. Seven. Yeah, four through six for next time. Sweet. You always got the full list. Uh, yeah. the, the, for the next future while, just assume we will be doing Adventure Time. So <laughs> many adventures. We're going to get our next sword, dude. Several. Probably, I assume. He's gone like three <laughs> so far. But in the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. That's you. And I'm Yui. <laughs> Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends. We always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.